What's going on, y'all? Welcome into Cast the Podcast. Ronnie Moore here with Kyle Jesse, and we're going to go into our Ray Roberts preview. And if you're wondering what Ray Roberts is, well, you need to hurry up and learn real quick because that is the Bassmaster Classic location this week going down in Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth is the host. People always get wigged out about the town. Fort Worth isn't where Ray Roberts is. Fort Worth is the host town this week. That's where all the weigh-ins and festivities will be. Ray Roberts, about 60 miles north of there, similar to a Gunnersville and Birmingham type situation or a Greenville and a Hartwell type situation or a Tulsa and a Grand Lake situation. It's very hard to find a great host town beside of a lake out in the middle of the country, unless it's the most metropolis lake in the world. And so I'm super excited about Fort Worth. And I know you are, Kyle, as you're a Texas Rangers fan and you're in the Arlington, Dallas region quite a bit in your life. Um, to have a classic there for the first time is going to be very special. It's only the third time ever to have a Texas classic once way back in 1979 at Texoma, which is half Oklahoma, half Texas, but they were on the Texas side. And then 2017 at Conroe out of Houston. So Ray Roberts, Fort Worth, you got any experience there? I have literally zero experience. I've seen the lake. I've never fished the lake. Uh, like you said, I've been so excited about this this tournament, the the venue, the whole setup for so long. I can actually remember being at the Classic last year. I shouldn't have probably heard this conversation, but I heard Mike McInnes tell, I don't even remember who it was, somebody that there was a real possibility that was where it's going to be with Fort Worth for this year. And ever since then, I have been giddy with excitement because I love Fort Worth, love the DFW area. Like you said, growing up, I've spent a ton of time in that area. Um, it really does have a big fishing community, as many people as it has. Granted, it's a massive area. Um, I'm just really looking forward to it. And I think the, the lake's going to add a lot of diversity to what guys are doing. I think we're going to be fortunate, uh, you know, the way this year has set up as far as the weather and everything. It will be a really, really cool classic. And I'm, I'm so excited to get it started. Yeah, and Ray Roberts, man, we, we've got a different year. 2021, the classic is in June instead of March, and like we always expected to be. And to break that down, we had to postpone the classic from – you know, when we were in February, maybe even late January, we decided to postpone the classic because of COVID reasons. We want to do the classic. And what is the classic? The classic is the fandom. I mean, it's everyone's dream. Sure, the Bassmaster Elite Series is fantastic. Everyone wants to go to an Elite Series event at some point. But when you're a kid, what's your bucket list trip? If you could go one place a year, it's to the Bassmaster Classic. I was in that boat. You have been in that boat going to Shreveport, the closest classics you know, that we've had in, in our lifetimes to Little Rock and, uh, and other than Grand Lake and in the Grove region over there, Tulsa. So been to those two. Huh? As I've been to those two. Yes, exactly. And so for those to happen, uh, you got to have fans. That is what the classic is about is the, the whole, there's not an event in the sport. And I don't care who's watching this, who wants to take it personally there. You can claim it's an important event and I'm kind of getting heated because I get fired up about everything people say and make up. They just make up bull crap. There's not a single event in the sport that makes the fishing industry pause and recognize like the Bassmaster classic does venues sponsors come out of places companies you didn't know exist. will get a boot. will get booth space. 
to be able to be there because the atmosphere is electric. It is fantastic. Being there on the dock last year at Gunnersville for the day one takeoff, doing a hit for Bassmaster Live, and then driving back to be on set, seeing the amount of fans on a cold and windy Gunnersville morning to have them line the bank to see the big Mercury and Yamaha giant boats out there floating for takeoff to see those different things and the people show up it, it is incredible and it's and it's always gives me goosebumps knowing and i and i've always said this one person's life is going to change for when, when they win the classic that's what everyone says but i started to think twenty thousand people forty thousand people's lives will change watching the classic because if you're there for the first time if you're there for the 30th you will never forget a classic that you go to in person. I will never forget how the 2010 Lay Lake Bassmaster Classic went. The first one I went in person, I'll never forget how that went. Seven, maybe eight, nine of the top 12 were all in beeswax. Kevin Van Dam under the bridge in the back. And, and to have so many competitors competing so close together, catching good fish, it was incredible. Um, and I, I followed Iconelli on that final day. Russ Lane's across the creek. All the guys uh, had to live in beeswax to compete. And so I'll never forget that as a kid. I never will forget seeing Mark Zone and Tommy Sanders at the hooked up stage when they did the live report back for the weigh-in to, to ESPN that night. I'll never forget those because I stood there around the little tethered rope waiting to say hey to Mr. Mark Zona and Mr. Tommy Sanders. And that's probably the last time I've called Zona Mark. Mr. Mark, that's what I called him. And I never have called him Mark again. He goes by Zona to me forever. So to see the classic and experience it is something that people will always cherish. And so I got a little heated there, but it, it, it is highly disrespectful and it doesn't make any sense to just claim that something else is bigger just because you want it to be bigger. The Bassmaster Classic is truly that in name and, uh, and the legacy that it creates for anglers who win it is astounding. So it is not one of the biggest events in the sport. It is the biggest event in the sport, and I will, and I will talk till someone's blue in the face, even grown men who have won it that will not admit that it is anymore. They know it is. The Bassmaster Classic is special. Now I'm off my soapbox about that. I'm super excited. Fort Worth gets to host it. Ray Roberts should be special. And, uh, and, and the weather is really setting up for it to be a different kind of classic. With us postponing it from March for COVID reasons, it has allowed fans to show up and you can be masked, you can be unmasked, whatever you want. And it's more of a, a, an accessible classic. And then also Kyle, from the fishing perspective, if we did the classic in March and ignored COVID and did all that and just did the classic to have the event, the fishing probably would have been so terrible with how crazy Valentine's Day weekend was with the snow in Texas and Arkansas and Oklahoma and how high and dirty the water was for the next month in a lot of places and how cold it was. Lakes in Texas freezing over. We don't see that. Never happens. Um, and, and something to, to add on to what the classic, if there's anybody watching this and maybe it's a fat chance, who knows that's on the fence about going, I, I cannot stress to you enough how badly you need to experience it in person. Because there's two words that always stick out to me about the classic, and they don't necessarily go together, but it's the atmosphere, like you hit on, and the word electric, because it is just a feeling every single day at weigh-in, every single day at takeoff, every single cast during the course of the event, 
It is something you cannot explain. It's something that you, you can't experience fully until you go to the classic. So if there's anybody watching this that's on the fence or has the weekend off, make the drive, do whatever it takes to be there because I promise you it will not. And Ronnie and I have talked about this. It's not only going to change the competitor's life and especially who wins it, it will change your life just being there. I, I promise you it is that electric. The atmosphere is that phenomenal. You need to be there. Back to the topic. <laughs> what was the topic? Um, so I, I think the fishing is going to be very unique. Because like you said, had it been when it was supposed to be, Oof. naturally you think a, a Texas lake in, in March, yeah, like it's going to be a, a you know heavy hitters just crush fest. Yeah. Wouldn't have been the case. It would have been a, like very, very difficult. There will be people. Um, there will guys, be some people probably in the top twelve after day one with like one fish for three and a half pounds. Right. Like possibility. There, there'd, still be big ones. there'd be big ones caught. I mean, naturally, it doesn't matter how messed <laughs> up the lake is. Like, there's just big ones in there. But like the consistency, what it would have been to what it will be. I think, like I said, you don't know because we didn't see it. But like, you could pretty easily suggest that that's that would be the truth. Um, however, I know we'll get into it more, but. I just think everything I actually had the conversation yesterday. I think all of that that happened this spring and this, you know, late winter, I guess, if you want to call it delayed the spring, you know, more or less. And we've seen that throughout the turn, the, the elite series season, Neely Henry fish still spawning like Gunnersville ledge fishing, almost irrelevant in, in end of May. I mean, I think this tournament is going to be way more diverse than even I have given it credit for. Uh, throughout my story that I wrote for the fantasy fishing website and everything I I really think it's going to be it's going to be diverse and I don't think we know how it's going to be one yet I really think that's true because it could be so many different things at this point someone came by the office today one of my coworkers, and said shallow or deep and I looked him dead in the eyes I was like both plus mid-depth he's like that's a cop out and i'm like that's the that's the, that's truth. the truth there that's were the fish truth. spawning last week at ray roberts uh and if any anglers watching this video that's probably public knowledge but like i would i had read that someone saw the remnants of a bass spawning or they saw a the last five bass on the bed at ray roberts last week that shows you water's still pretty cool for this time of the year Actually, the exterior temperature, people are like, oh, God, Texas in June. Prepare to sweat your gonads off. Dude, it is going to be like perfect temperatures. It's going to be breezy, not breezy like windy, but like easy breezy, like nice weather for the most part, knock on wood. But the water's high above full pool. It's not at flood pool. It's right in that nice region where it's high enough for fish to stay shallow but it's not too high where you can't reach them and they haven't sucked it down so fast where it's going to pull every fish out to the depths. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think the shallow bite could be a thing for sure. I feel like we're going to have someone is going to knock their lights out in the first hour and a half, two hours offshore. And because they're probably Ray Roberts isn't big. So they're probably going to push uh, uh, the freshest school of fish they find. They're going to catch it. They're going to catch a couple good ones real quick and leave it and go do other stuff. And those fish may not show back up. Those fish, they're, it's not like a normal Tennessee river ledge thing. 
It's like a lake fork the way they set up offshore and they're here one day gone the next sometimes. So I feel like someone's going to really get off to a good start deep. And then we're going to see a lot, a heavy concentration of shallow water anglers in our top 10. And the one thing about this lake that I've learned from some locals, like uh, a buddy, Chad Clark, he's a part of the fantasy fishing group. He's a part of a lot of different, you know, Phoenix boat owners group. He's in that DFW region, helping with the classic facilitating a lot of that stuff. And so I can't take credit for that, but he, he texted me and said, Hey, uh, are you, are, do you want to know anything about the lake? I'm, I'm an open book. Let he let me know. And he said, you know, the shallow bite is still going to be good. He told me kind of the depth readout of the uh, water level on what would be too much water. Um, and, and once we get to that point, it could be, you know, hard to fish shallow, you know, even if it's one foot above that, yeah, they're going to spread out, but shallow could still be a deal, especially if it was falling during the event a little bit. Um, instead of rising. I think falling water during the event will help. Not a foot a day, but a few inches a day. Just keeping those fish moving to the next piece of cover, it's going to be much easier for our boys to pick them off. Um, you got the shallow bushes, standing timber, the way Matt Heron won the TTBC years ago. Then you've got the offshore house foundations and road beds, things like that, those notorious hard structures offshore. And then you've got all of the wood that is rotted and fallen and busted and is on the ground, or it's, you know, it's, it's not where the standing timber is. It might be a hundred feet away because of washing down and different things. You've got that. And then you've got different brush piles in different depths, whether crappy fishermen set them out, whether bass fishermen set them out, but in between the shallow and those offshore road beds and different things like that, the house foundations are actual brush piles that maybe we'll see some forward-facing sonar guys using. We'll see some guys uh, that probably mark them on 2D and can fish vertically, or it'll be one of those things you're casting to some stuff. So, I, but those things aren't going to be as big. Those brush piles may not hold a school. It's one of those deals you catch two fish off of it and you don't touch that brush pile ever again because there's just, you caught the two fish that are in it. So I think there's a lot of possibilities at Ray Roberts. And I, honestly, I don't know why we're so blessed, but every decision we have made has created some kind of awesome drama. I mentioned it last year with all the chaotic uh, events of COVID delaying the season. Every time we turn on the cameras for Bassmaster Live, something awesome happened. Same thing this year. We never know what weather is going to come for the event, and it's still something captivating about it. And, and keeps us paying attention to it. And it's no, nothing ho-hum. The most ho-hum event was Lake Fork until the final day when 42 pounds got caught. It was kind of just, that was the most boring up to that point. No real craziness happened. And then 42 pounds, boom, out of nowhere. So I think that there's a, a lot of opportunity at, at Fort Worth and Ray Roberts. And I'm so glad it's a new, a new destination for the Elite Series and the Classic. No doubt. And, and to, to kind of add on what you're saying, I'm so torn, and I'm sure you are too, trying to decide the, the exact question you were asked, shallow or deep. I mean, so there comes a point in the year, especially in that region of the country, and I think really most of the South, Southeast, Midwest, there comes a time of the year where the fish, in my opinion, don't want to stay shallow unless there's a reason for them to stay shallow. And that sounds really simple, but like, like you said, high water, bluegill spawning, bait around you know forage still in the water um if, if there is opportunity for those fish to stay shallow it doesn't matter if it's july they're still going to stay shallow 
like at least a population of fish. Now, granted, is that 80% of the population of fish? Definitely not. But like, you only this, need 15. Uh, right. I mean, like the, the reality of it is, is like there will still be a good number of fish shallow for so many reasons. And like you said, with the high water, um, like I said, bluegill spawn, shad spawn, I, I would think it would be over with. I Maybe yeah. it's not. It seems like it would be a little further along, even though I keep hearing people talk about it. We'll see. Um, There's still just so opportunistic morning feeders on top water for sure. Whether no it's, that's no not, yeah, that's just still you can make that buzz bait that that spook that that deal. You can make it last a little bit longer uh, sometimes if you push it. Basically, all the way through the summer. I mean, that that traditionally, as long as you've lived, how long have you talked about in the summer an early topwater bite? I mean, literally, it does not matter that exists. I mean, regardless. Um, and you know, one thing that I, I've, I've said over and over again, if you look at the classic roster, the guys that are fishing the classic over half the field are some of the absolute best shallow water anglers on planet earth. So you mix in everything we just said with the amount of shallow water hammers that are in this tournament, you don't think there's going to be some fish caught shallow. There's no doubt there are. Um, but I hate it because, like I said, a lot of my picks, and we'll get to that as well, are more or less guys that I think will fish deep. Um, you know, try to mix it in as much as I could, but it's it's hard to believe the the tournament won't be won offshore. And I could be completely wrong, and I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong. But I, I feel like that's going to be the case. That typically is going to be the most insistent thing if you can find enough fish in you know a water two, or if you just find enough groups of fish. Um, or like you said, even structures, brush piles. I mean, whatever you're running, as long as you can make it last only three days versus four days now, um, you know, in a typical elite series tournament, I truly think, even though it's not my style, even though I'd like to see guys catch them shallow, I truly think that's going to be the deal that will win the classic, but it's, it's kind of like you were saying earlier, and I shook my head at this because I think it's so true. Having never made a cast at Ray Roberts, I imagine and it's just from what I've looked at and taken in, it has to set up very similar to fork. And what you were saying, I think is so true. The fish on fork, unless you hit it, basically the weekend that we hit it this year, there is a massive population of fish that live offshore all year round, all year round, just because there's so much for them to live on between all the standing timber, between all the little points, all the little humps, all the structure off the bank those fish just live off the bank. And I feel like looking at aerials of, of Ray Roberts and things that we know, I think that there's no doubt that that's going to play. And like I said, I'd be a-okay if it gets one either way. I don't care, but it's just hard to believe to me that, you know, somebody consistently won't bust them for three days out deep. And, and it kind of feels like it could be a Jordan Lee type thing at Conroe. It kind of feels like uh, the size of the fishery reminds me of Fork and Conroe and also how you can survive and do so well shallow, but how on the final day, the opportunity for the biggest bag of the event could be offshore. And that's the thing that, that scares you. Uh, if you're a shallow. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It might not show up. They might not show up. And, and that's the one thing uh, Zona mentioned it. And in Texas, especially like fork and stuff, when, if they started to suck the water down a little bit more and quicker, that does not make 
offshore fish bite better in Texas like it does in Alabama or because they don't pull it down in Alabama. They pull it through. They're pulling current through. But because it's not sure. it is a river system, it's on the Trinity River. But because it's not an actively flowing, pulling water system, it's only doing it for flood control. If it's not flooded and they start pulling it, that doesn't make those fish fire up. And so honestly, we think if the water starts dropping, it could hurt the shallow anglers. It could hurt the offshore anglers just as bad. So sure. I pray somebody with Texas Parks and Wildlife's like, hey, yo, just keep your knob on that water level. Just keep it, keep it minim minimal. It. Minimal. Just leave it where it's at. And these fish uh, could really show out. And Ray Roberts, I don't know. I, I do not know if it could get, 69 and change or you know 70 pounds to break the record for the biggest classic weight for three days 23 plus a day that would be really difficult um we saw hank cherry last year i think that was the most un underrated thing we talked we didn't even mention it he had the third highest winning weight in classic history 65 and change at gunnersville um and that was with like a huge day one and he rode that to victory uh, you could see a 30 pound bag come there, but you could also see them catch 17 pounds in the next two days and still go mid sixties, just because they knock out 30 on one day. doesn't mean seventies guaranteed. And so uh, I wonder what that winning weight will be. We've seen an 11 pounder uh, at the classic before we've seen 10 pounders, a couple nines as well. I don't know if we'll see a record breaking big one, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe a nine pounder for big bass some of that, but I know we'll see a bunch of fours to sixes get caught uh, no matter what depth they're targeting. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, I, like you said, the, the winning weight is something I've toyed around with a lot because originally, and I think you and I had talked about it. I didn't think it would even break 60 to start with just based on the fact that it's so volatile. Like we were talking about this time of year, because you know, they're, still kind of in between probably to a certain extent especially with the varying water levels but hearing some of the guys talk about what they think the weights will be they know more than you and i do in that sense and a lot of those guys are easily suggesting over 20 pounds a day and i'm like i'm just sitting here like hey i don't know if that's the case but i really hope you're right i hope you guys are right like really really hope you guys are right want to know what's crazy I'm wise on these elite series anglers. This ain't my first rodeo. This is year number eight. They poor mouth the winning weight of every single elite series event and every single classic. They pump that thing up and it's almost a letdown sometimes, but they're like, it's going to be huge weights. And then all of a sudden it's like, where'd the weights go? And you're like, I oh, do, I don't know. I thought we were going to blast them. And then for the elites, they're like, eh, it's been whatever. And they're like 92 pounds for four days. And you're like, bro, what the heck? So I, I'm wise to them. They pump up the classic because their hopes of, Hey, if I can catch 20 pounds a day, I could win the biggest tournament that there is to win in bass fishing. I hope I could do that um and it's three days man i feel like it almost sets up better for people who win opens than it does for the the elite anglers they know about three-day events so do the elites but man the ability to close it out in three days we've seen like some of the biggest bassmaster collapses have came on the final day of the classic and or not even collapses but the biggest comebacks come yeah. on the classic 
And, and I don't know what it is about it. Uh, I don't think they try any harder. Uh, I think they don't have any points to worry about. They don't have to lay up. But, man, we see some giant swings and stuff. And, and on the final days, going into the final day, man, if I would have only caught five on day one, I'd have a chance to win it. I know Paul Mueller saying that from his Gunnersville experience. Like, there's a lot of different uh, crazy things. And one thing that's unique, this is our third time in the state of Texas for the Classic, 79, 2017, and then this year two of the five biggest bass weighed in in classic history have came in Texas lakes at Conroe. So the opportunity to maybe add a third out of the top five or, or whatever, I think it's there. Um, there's still, a, there's obviously a chance they live there. At least we will say they live there, whether it's an odds of probability of catching one, who knows, but you've got that offshore structure. You've got that mid depth structure. You've got some hard covers You've got the bushes factor up shallow. There's a lot of different things that these fish could be doing. So I think it, it could space some guys out a little bit more on this smaller fishery than they normally would be in a generic summertime event. Um, but I am excited. This is the first summertime classic that we've had since 2005. And that one was the lowest weight classic in history uh, at Three Rivers. And so we've had spring classics forever. And this is summer by month, probably, but spring by conditions right now. Right, right. And, you know, like you said, that's, that's something that you almost hate to bring up, but like the fish care aspect, you know, all the things that were such a concern for it being a summertime classic in Texas, like we were saying earlier, almost just throw out the window. Because it's like we burned the world so, down earlier when we announced right. this. But it's like we are getting so lucky with the weather being the way it is and like i mean you just you just have to be like happy to see it i know i am because like you said i mean the amount of negative comments and negative things that were said you know us making the best decision bass making the best decision they possibly could given the circumstances um you know we really have lucked out big time and i i, I so thankful that it you know has has played out the way that it has this spring um really for the fishing aspect for the fish care aspect for the weather aspect i mean like i said earlier i've spent a lot of time in that area it gets hot it gets really really hot and you know i think you know I, it'll naturally be warm but uh but yeah i think i think there's a really good chance we have lucked out as much as you possibly could well and and to say to just go back to last year as well to have 2020 kind of summed up with covid and regulations and unknowns to have this year with all of the crazy weather that we have missed zero days of competition the fact that they've been able to do full four-day events whether it's tuesday whether it's monday they're getting the anglers on the water uh and putting them in a position to make a living and to show out it, uh, all kinds of applause to trip weldon last year and, and lisa talmage and then this year with lisa John, uh, Stewart, Hank Weldon, Chris Bowes, the tournament decision makers, um, they don't want to do these things. They don't want to postpone a day of competition for the next week. They don't want to move the classic, but what a good call moving the classic to when it was. I believe the fish care, uh, it's been announced how we plan to take care of them. Um, it, correct me if I'm wrong but I believe it is you're bringing two fish to the scales. You you're, we're still doing five bass limit, but at the ramp, they're going to weigh their five bass. They're going to have the weight. 
They're going to send it to the crew. They're going to log it in. That's the official weight. Anglers will not know. Hopefully, I swear. Like, I need you to just stand at the ramp and, like, look them dead in the eye, make sure they're not peeking. But they're not going to know. They're going to bring their two fish in their, in their boat to uh, Fort Worth for the weigh-in. They're going to hold up the fish for the crowd because that's what we do. And uh, then they'll learn their weights there. So there won't be anything anticlimactic. And then I think on the final day with just 25 anglers, they're bringing in their five fast limit uh, to the scales. Cause that is, that's what the show is about. I mean, there is nothing in the sport of bass fishing better than the moment two grown men are standing beside each other at the scales. One man's got the weight or the bag, not one man, excuse me, Lisa, do not kick my butt. Lisa, uh, our tournament director, tournament director standing there with the bag of fish puts them on the scales, two grown men standing there, and someone wins the Bassmaster Classic. Ain't another moment in sports in the, in the sport that I want to be a part of because that is still, for the rush of energy in the crowd, it is incredible. So super excited about that. Uh, the playing field should be very interesting. It's going to keep us on our toes. A little nervous about it because I don't know en- I don't know enough about it, but I'm very thankful for the people of the sport, like I mentioned, Chad, and other people who – who offer up because they want to see Bass Live be successful. They want to see us talk about their area of the country positively, trying to help out and give some insight. I'm going to be riding around on the final day of practice with Patrick Walters. He's one of our anglers that we'll have live on camera. Uh, You know, uh, we have 10 day one, 10 day two, 10 day three. So we try to pick those 10 um, the best way possible for storylines. So I'll, I'll be riding with him. And I'll learn a whole lot about Ray Roberts on Wednesday's official practice day. So for you, I want you to go ahead and get us kicked off, if you'd like, uh, with Rappala Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing. We picked our teams. And uh, like I said, man, uh, I'm really just winging it. I I mean, I just got to do something to get up in the 90s. Ain't no way I'm going to make it up to as high as I want to make. But if it can say 90, that's like bringing your report card home after not doing your homework all year because you did great on the exam. And you're like, hey, mom, I got an A in the class. I need to get a 90 percentile or better just to show, hey, I'm the comeback kid that at the end of the year, I'll make it. I'll make it happen. Also, this I feel like this has not gotten enough attention recently because it's definitely been talked about. Saturday, where, where are we going to be live on TV? We're going to be not only on Fox Sports 1 this weekend for the Classic, we'll also be on Big Fox, as I like to call it, B-I-G-F-O-X, Big Fox. Single-digit number, that's the thing. Uh, like, National Fox for the first time. And I'll say this, th- thank you for reminding me. We did used to have cut-ins for weigh-ins live to ESPN back in the day but no actual live fishing. We would have highlights that we'd run of the day and the weigh-in and then a recap by Tommy and Zona back to ESPN for the fans to watch and enjoy. I used to watch those cut-ins all the time. This is going to be at least eight hours of live Bassmaster Classic on Saturday and Sunday combined on Fox Sports 1 and Big Fox something no other uh, it's never been done in our sport live bass fishing for the biggest event of the year on a national network it's going to be one of the biggest audiences um that any single broadcast has seen in the sport of fishing i don't think you can say enough about that i mean honestly 
I mean, being live on Fox, you know, Fox Sports or FS1 every single, uh, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I mean, that's as it is. That's mind boggling. We're going to be live on Fox, live on Fox, fast fishing. On, right is for it, the Wheel of Fortune. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, holy cow. That yeah. in itself, I mean, what a monumental two days that's going to be for the sport of bass fishing on top of what already is, like we mentioned, the greatest bass fishing tournament there ever has been and ever will be. Wow. Just wow. I, I don't really know what else to say, but like, that's one of those things. I'm glad I'll be out on the water getting to watch, but like, I'd probably tear up a little bit turning on the TV to Fox and watching live bass fishing, something that you know, I've, I've got to be a part of from the studio for the last couple of years and, and now getting to see it from a different perspective. Seeing that happen, I, I think you can't, you can't explain how big of a deal that is. And like I said, I think that uh, obviously whenever the Fox announcement came out, that was obviously stated a lot, but holy crap, like that's going to be amazing. Um, Kyle, I was not nervous. Oh. Now, I'm, now I do not want to mess up because I know now I'm going to let down a young Kyle Jesse who's watching uh, somewhere somehow. But it, it is super cool. And people forget last year, yes, we were live on a national network for almost every event, but that wasn't until after COVID happened. And we got the classic in right before. The classic was just a normal, you know, one hour TV show, or uh, I think it was a two hour TV show, two hour TV show, one hour TV show for the three days or vice versa. I think day one was one hour, day two, two hours, day three, two hours. So five hours of TV time over a, a given three week stretch. And we're gonna have eight hours in two days um, at least. And so what a what a partnership that is. And I even, uh, before we get into fantasy fishing, I got into a Twitter argument with Denny Hamlin, NASCAR driver. Because someone was saying how they were talking about something totally different, but bass fishing got thrown in under the bus over here. And so I was like, what are we doing? And so they were talking about the race that they had um, where I think it was like the Circa of the Americas or whatever out of Austin. And it was pouring down rain and they were racing in the rain and it was accidents and it didn't, the racers did not like it. The drivers did not like racing in the rain but some fans said they enjoyed it because it looked like bass boats going down the lake with the rooster tail. Those cars were shooting off. They had to take turns differently. They liked it. And then, so the guy said, yeah, it seemed like bass boats running down the lake and it had me excited. So I watched and Denny Hamlin out of left field is like, well, I'm sorry, brother to tell you, but nobody watches bass fishing on TV anymore. And, and then somebody commented and said, well, I'd like to disagree. The numbers have been growing and growing and they've been on major networks lately. And then they said, I wonder what Ronnie Moore Bass has to think about it and tags me in the tweet. And I'm like, I've got to watch myself. I got to be respectful. But I said, I understand if you don't watch bass fishing, that you don't think other people watch bass fishing. And while Denny Hamlin's getting his job ready, he's, he's getting suited up, putting his helmet on, putting his suit on to go race is the same time we're live. So of course you're not watching. I understand that. But the viewership is great enough to lead into NASCAR, the premier sporting event on Fox every week has been for years and years. For Bassmaster to be the lead in for that every weekend and to trust us to carry the audience, that says something. And the demographics that are going to watch, the clientele that's going to watch Bassmaster and NASCAR are very similar. And so I said, Given what we've had to overcome in the sport of bass fishing to put on live fishing on TV is huge. No other sport has that. Every other sport has a confined environment that all the cameras are pointed at every angle 
around the track, around the court, around the football field, around the diamond, around the golf course, on the edge of it, looking into it. Whereas our sport, our cameras are in the middle of it, looking out. And we have to cover, if you get what I'm saying, we're out in the middle of the playing field, looking out to the edges and covering as much as we can cover, where everything else is in a sandbox, pointing in, and you're not going to miss a moment because you're all, you got it covered. Our sport with the rural nature of lakes, the cell service that comes with that, the technology being out on water, you know this. I could send a text from the boat ramp. The second I get in my boat and I go to text you, I can't get it out for 10 minutes. I'm like, what the heck? And so the fact that we've been able to do live bass fishing since 2015 on a regular basis, on a large scale, quantity and quality wise, to then uh, transition into ESPN last year and Fox Sports 1 this year and Big Fox at the Classic, I'm just glad we're here. And uh, I'm glad that more people get to learn about our sport and see it. It's pretty awesome. And uh, I always peruse Twitter to see what people who aren't expecting to tune in for bass fishing, like what they want to say about it, because it's not just an eight hour sport that seems boring. We, there's a lot of drama, a lot of teaching and a lot of fun to be had during an eight hour Bassmaster live broadcast. And you're only getting, you're getting the four hours of pumped up as juiced up as we can get when we're on Fox. And so I think it's, I think it's incredible. I'm just honored to be a part of it. And uh, I'm really proud of how Fox has partnered with us, not only to host it on their channel and to really commandeer it, but to promote it as well. They've been huge in, in, it is a, it is a two-way street. You're not just kissing your girlfriend. She's kissing you back. And that's the way it seems with Fox and Bassmaster. We're not just getting, we're not just giving love to them. They're giving love to us, which is cool. It's cool to see Colin Cowherd, one of my favorite sports talking heads, talk about the Bassmaster Elite Series coming up this weekend from Lake Gunnersville. Like that's super cool to me. No, I a hundred percent agree. I'm also a Cowherd fan myself and I've been listening to the the radio what show and then on the TV show. Um, and it really is incredible to see where, where bass, you know, bass and bass fishing has come and where we're headed. I mean, I think that it only get better and, uh, you know, the opportunities are only going to grow and it's just fun to be a part of. It really is as a, as a fan, as a lifelong fan, as a, as a uh, employee for bass. I mean, it really, really is an exciting time for that. Um, however, I got us way off topic there. We got to get back to some fantasy fishing. Some here. good wholesome content in my, in my chapters where people can click on the time codes to see what we talk about. That was a good little chunk there, but don't worry. Fantasy fishing is coming up right now. Uh, so give me your bucket a, cause I'm gonna go through bucket a through five, a through E. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you who your overall winner is going to be. If you put them on your team. Awesome. If you didn't just who you think is going to win this event. Cause I've been asked that and I I'm, I'm quite unsure coming into this, but now I seemingly feel like I, I have an idea who I think will win. Uh, even if I'm wrong, I at least have somewhat of a logical explanation. So go ahead with bucket A, Ray Roberts, Bassmaster Classic Live. Go. Bucket A, the Arkansan Stetson Blaylock. Going Stetson Blaylock in bucket A for a lot of reasons, but one that we've already talked about. Uh, the similarities between Fork and Ray Roberts, not the sense that they're the same fishery, not that they have the same number of fish, not the fact that, you know, I, I'm not comparing Ray Roberts to be the exact same lake the Fork is, but I think the way the fish set up, um, potentially, and I hope that I'm right on this, but I, I, it just seems like from what I can tell, 
the fishbowl setup very similar. Um, and I'm sure people will roast me for saying that, that, that fish Ray Roberts, who knows? All I know is that Stetson Blaylock has a knack for finding fish offshore, locating fish offshore, um, and being able to manage those fish. Also, you know, Stetson Blaylock lives in the same part of the country you do, um, same part of the country that I've lived in my entire life. I think a lot of the same things that apply on Lake Washita will apply at Ray Roberts. And I promise you that's the case. And I, I guarantee you after the three days, if he didn't catch a bass, I guarantee you he would agree that there are similarities in the two lakes. Um, and that's just a gut pick. I just think Stetson Blaylock, um, you know, I, even though it's only a second classic, I feel like it's just his, it, it, it just feels like his time. And in bucket A, um, full of hammers. Something that I said in my story was, you could literally put the entire bucket A in a hat, close your eyes, pick up, uh, pick out a random slot of paper, and you'd have a good pick. <laughs> you really would. Um, but Stetson Blaylock for me is my guy in bucket A. And a really slow, low percentage, 1.8%. But like you said, Watchtaw, I immediately thought of Watchtaw, one of his home lakes, if not his home lake. You got bushes, you got some standing timber, and you probably got some road beds along the line or hard spots offshore house foundations, whatever. And that's literally what he was born and raised doing. And so that's a good pick. 1.8% for him, man. I'm going uh, bucket a with Brock Mosley, dude, seven out of the last 14 events, top 10. Something's going to happen for him. He's going to turn one of those into a win. He's been so close. He's getting the Aaron Martin stigma already uh, with just a couple second place finishes. I think he's got two this season four overall, and he does it in flurries. And for him to have such a groove going, I think that he can keep it going. And this could be a, a big one. I think that whether he fished brush piles or some offshore stuff, or he, he was around the shallow cover all week, I think that he could, he could ride that balance. He could go and fish shallow, hop out and fish a brush pile, fish a point, fish a, a house found it, run back shallow, fish a marina, whatever, riprap. I feel like uh, Brock could do that well and manage that um, I tried to convince the crew to put him on camera day one because I was so wanted to go with him on the final day of practice um, but that's not gonna be the case but when he catches him day one and we have him on day two I get to look across the room at the producers and I get to say I may have told you so but I think Brock Brock Mosley I'll go ahead and say it Brock Mosley is my put my pick for bucket a and I think he's gonna win the classic I think it's he's my pick People asked me that. And I said, I hadn't even thought about who's going to win yet. Let me get my thoughts. First person I thought that would win it when I actually kind of considered who was in the field. I think Brock Mosley could win the classic, uh, hands down. Him and my bucket B pick, which I'll segue into, Brandon Lester. I think Brandon Lester, uh, he's my bucket B pick. Those two guys are the quietest, just not the sexiest picks, but this is kind of their time of the year. Brock is great with a, a chatterbait and whatnot earlier in the year and a swim bait and things like that. And Lester is one of those Carolina rigging fools or a crankbait or a big worm. Uh, I feel like he could be one that makes that offshore bite last three days. If someone could, I feel like he could. And uh, he's shown up big in classics before. He's got a sixth at Knoxville. People wanted it to be his home lake. It was not. And he's still got a sixth. And then Gunnersville was a factor going into that final day as well. So it'll be, a, it'll be interesting, but I think that my bucket A and bucket B are pretty low-key picks. 
and I'm not trying to go off the beaten path with low percentage picks. Ronnie, Ronnie, low percentage more over here. Not at all. If they were 25%, I'd have just as much confidence as if they're two or two or 5% or whatever. I don't even know what Lester is. What is Lester? Lester is at 4.9% 4 and Mosley's at five point something percent. So those two, I, those are my picks to win the classic. They just happen to be bucket A and B. So this is only maybe that I, that I can think of the second or third time all season we've actually agreed on a pick. But just to prove it, I also picked Brandon Lester. I don't know if you can see that. But there it is. I picked Brandon Lester. Uh, Brandon Lester is my guy for the same exact reason. Um, same thing with Stetson Blaylock, just the guy that has a knack for finding those offshore structure fish. Um, I mean, you could just literally, you know, check off bucket list of the amount of tournaments post-spawn that he's, you know, factored fishing offshore. It's just his comfort zone. And then also, like you said, it, it really, there's a lot to be said about a guy that fishes free. And for the, and, and that's what I started thinking when you were talking about Brock Mosley, a guy that's, that's willing to scrap what he's doing and switch up and do something different rather than just sit there and watch the house burn down. Um, and, and I think that a Brandon Lester, a Stetson Blaylock through my two picks, I love the Brock Mosley pick as well for the same exact reason. Um, you know, you take what pressure comes with in a normal elite series tournament and you say that's at like five on the, the volume level, crank that all the way to 10 because that's what happens at the classic. And like I said, there really is something to be said for somebody that can fish free, fish loose. And something that I, I mentioned a lot in my story is guys with that even keel like mentality that 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 mindset that that attitude the way they act i think plays big into the classic for for a lot of guys people probably didn't like hank cherry being the classic champ because he was just straight line just he showed i i said wow he's got about a 12 pound lead midway through the final day of the classic and he finally showed some stuff when he said let's go because right that's out of some of these guys' characters to do it. Brock will get emotional. Brandon will get emotional. But I feel like they're so determined. And they're on that short list of the most decorated Elite Series pros currently fishing that have not won a trophy of some sort, Opens or Elite Series and whatnot, or the Classic. And so I like that pick as well. Um, I have to like it because I picked him as well. But Brandon Lester, I just rock solid. So give me your bucket C pick because mine, I don't expect to match. Uh, and, and bucket C was probably my hardest bucket to, to, to pick, honestly. C, C and D were very difficult for me to pick as well. Uh, D was probably my most difficult bucket to pick, but C was right there with it. Um, so staying with me. And I'll explain in my explanation why bucket C was most difficult because, oh, there's like five names that jump off the page for me, Ronnie. What about you? I just, I got to explain it to you for you to know. So, for bucket C, there are, without a doubt, and I'm sure this is kind of the same reason you're looking at, there's four or five guys in bucket C that are absolute offshore post-spawn hammers. Um, but I'm sticking with the theme of even keel, just level as can be, the most mellow guy probably on the entire Elite Series, guess it. Micah guess Frazier. it. Micah Frazier. <laughs> I love it. I'm going Micah Frazier in bucket C. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just his his mentality and the way he, like, acted and, you know, just his entire 
persona, I guess, at the Classic last year. Obviously, it was around him. I mean, he does. He really, really does. Um, With that being said, I got to pick on him real quick. The two events that I picked him for this year have not gone well at all. I really, really really seesawed on on whether or not to pick him. But something that I think might play into this Classic, for him specifically – it can be a reset. You basically throw everything you've done out the, the, you know, out the window that you've done this elite series season, like momentum definitely plays, but it, it's almost like the classic. You basically just like, you, you just reset it. I mean, cause I mean, it's, it's its own new thing. And like for Micah Frazier, I feel like this could be the tournament that gets his 2021 just turned around. And uh, you know, we see the kind of performance that he put on last year. Maybe he gets the dub who knows, but I like, I like Micah Frazier and C. At this point in the season, he needs a dub to make the classic. He's got to win Ray Roberts, or he's got to win the last event of the year at St. Lawrence because the last event of the year is a win and in for whoever whoever takes that title. Instead of Texas Fest being that, we made the last event of the season. It happens to be St. Lawrence. He factors in a lot of these classics, and he's won at the St. Lawrence. So he's got a swing, and, and it's not you picking him. He's just had a pretty tough season overall. Oh, no doubt. He's only no had doubt. one real good event. And uh, it probably was not where we expect him to do well, and so he we didn't pick him. But I like that pick. I, I knew it. I knew it was coming. But there's a lot of other great anglers to re- to recommend in bucket C. You've oh, got no. Brandon. Brandon Card's a great offshore angler, especially in the state of Texas. He seems to show up. John Cox, shallow water wise. I mean, he's one to watch. Buddy Gross, um, Bill Lowe in shallow, Kyle Welcher's first classic. Um, you've got Gussie, a winner this year. Can he pull something out here? But Buddy Gross hurt his foot. He's on a walker. I don't know what that's going to mean. If anything, he may graph all of Ray Roberts in the three days of practice before the official day, which could be scary for the field. But he may not fish a bunch in practice, to be honest. He may, he may put in sitting time. Uh, because of that foot, you don't know. It starts, you know, it starts Friday, Saturday, Sunday for practice. Then final day of practice, the official day is Wednesday. And that brings me to that. If, honestly, being realistic, John Cox, not at Ray Roberts for Friday's practice day. Not going to be at Ray Roberts for Saturday's practice day. Probably based on where he's at in the state of Tennessee right now for another event, probably not going to make it for Sunday's practice day. And then Wednesday's going to be his only day to go. Um, so that that's a tough one. If he's uh, unless he decides to leave early and try to squeeze in an extra day of practice, he's going to have out of the four possible days, he's going to have a fraction of what the rest of the field has. And then you've got, um, yeah, those are the two different scenarios for the two, two of the highest picked anglers in that bucket, John Cox, Buddy Gross. Uh, you just don't know. My bucket C pick, I mentioned everyone in the bucket except him, basically. I think Jamie Hartman's going to do well. I think he's going to kick the skunk out of the boat for this season. He told Dave Mercer to stop calling him the Jamie the Hammer Hartman because he just was not being a hammer this year. Uh, I think that he could I, I think that he, um, he could do really well, and I think he could do it fishing brush piles. I think he could do it um, fishing some offshore stuff, maybe shallow as well. But I, I think that this could be a, um, a Jamie Hartman event to turn his season around as well as he gets momentum for the Northern Swing. I like that pick a lot, actually. I, I didn't give that one a whole lot of, uh, 
a whole lot of thought, but uh, that definitely makes sense. You know, might mix in uh, the old Vixen uh, that we saw at Gunnersville, maybe catch a couple bigs on top water. I think we'd all be uh, a-okay with seeing that. Um, so moving on to bucket D, it'd be your turn, right? Yes, it's my turn. So Kyle, for bucket D, uh, normally when we look at the classic, there will be one, maybe two guys from the opens or the nation or the team or the college. One of the other qualifiers that is not the elite series or a former classic winner, one of them, maybe two of them will do well. I'm banking on two of them at least doing well. No offense to anybody else fishing it, but I'm picking one of those other guys in bucket D. And I'm picking Chris Jones. Chris Jones from Arkansas. I mean, the Arkansas, Oklahoma region does well. I think he wins every single event out of Muskogee on the Arkansas River. And uh, I think that Chris, he fished the first classic that I worked 2014. He won the, he won in 2013 in the opens to make that. I remember a story before I ever knew who he was. He said, I rolled up to my first spot. I turned around and I had 40 flotilla boats following me. And I had no idea why. I said, is this the Bassmaster Classic? And this is what it's like for everyone. I'm just Chris Jones. His boat wrap was so similar to KVD's when they all had those Bass Pro Shops wraps with the nitro on the side that he had KVD's flotilla following him. And he was so spun out of the classic day one. He's like, what the heck is going on? I got all these guys pulling in right behind me, waking in my stuff. And I don't even know why. And so I always remember that story. I think that he's much more of a seasoned angler now. He's determined. He's got a lot of stuff going for him. And uh, I think that this could set up very well. The fact that bushes are still in factor, uh, the fact that some of those brush piles and different things. I'm just saying, if you're going to pick a guy that's not an Elite Series pro to do well, Chris Jones is on my short list. I, I dig that pick. I actually like that pick a lot. One of the reasons why he's in bucket D and not E, um, I actually, I dig that big time. And I think there's a lot to be said for those guys that are good in that triplex part of the country. What's Arkansas, it called? Like Texla, Arklatex? Arklahoma. No, 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 that's, that's Arkansas. I don't know. Texla, who knows? Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. There's, yeah. there's a lot to be said for those guys that are good in that region of the country. And I think Chris Jones is right at the forefront of those kind of guys. Um, so my bucket D pick, um, if you can't tell, I am sticking with the even keel, quiet, just, just cruising along guys. That means it's going to be pretty boisterous for you then if you're going to have four cool, calm and collected guys. Oh, for sure. So bucket D Todd Otten. I'm going Todd Otten. So my bucket C and D pick, I started to feel almost a little bad and not even bad, but feel like I was going too much based on last year's classic. But there's a lot to be said for somebody that, you know, handles a classic the right way. Um, another thing that I, I can't stop thinking about is it's not any fun. I've never experienced it, but I know for a fact, it's not any fun being the second to last guy on the classic stage and having the guy next to you hoist that trophy over his head. That's what Todd Otten had to do last year. Um, I don't really know how he's going to do it in the sense that, like, stylistically, I don't have a lot of, a lot of uh, reasons why. I think he's a guy that could probably mix in both. Um, I, I have 
absolutely no doubt that he'll find some shallow fish to catch on a on a spinnerbait or a chatterbait because I feel like that's what he catches 90% of his his fish on <laughs> on in the course of the year. Um, however, I mean, he's a guy that can also fish deep. Um, being able to mix those two things in and also just being able to fish free, kind of the same thing we were talking about earlier. Um, really like Todd Otten and Bucket D. However, it's the flip side of what I was saying with Micah Frazier. Every time I've picked Todd Otten this year, he's had a good finish. Um, I'm just I'm just riding with a little bit of gut feeling. And like I said, that even keel uh, um, persona, I think, is, is just a huge thing in the classic, not letting it be too big, just, you know, trying to make it any other tournament as much as you can in your head. Um, and I think Todd Otten, you know, has that ability to do that. He's been a while, he's been around fishing for a while. I think this is maybe his sixth, seventh classic, something like that. But it's over uh, 70 years or so because he had he had a stretch with bass and then he was not with bass and then he qualified in the opens and has came back to bass. For him to be at the age that he's at and to make the classic, I don't know the number. I would not be surprised. He may be the second or third, maybe, maybe the second or third oldest angler in the classic. Um, I, I think Matt Heron might be up there with him. Uh, other than that, I don't know of an older elite series pro. And so for him to do it at this point in his career speaks volumes of how sharp he still is um, no last season and to qualify for this year and to be in contention for last classic, which is more expected than not when it's a chatterbait and it's uh, colder water. Like that's his, that's his deal. But I understand not understanding, not, not exactly knowing why to pick him, what style that he's going to lean on this week. Um, but that's a solid pick for sure. Bucket D was, uh, like I mentioned, I picked Chris Jones, but it was not an easy bucket overall. Absolutely. You know, no. you got a couple guys, you got, you know, the, the Airy, Clint Davis, the Austin Felix. Some of these guys are first classics before Paul Mueller sets up offshore possibly for him, but we also wouldn't have said Neely Henry factored. You got Matt Robertson. He's, not calm, cool, and collected. He's pretty wild and uh, could get it done. He got some some of those, I don't want to say mid-level as if it's a bad thing, but the Chad Pipkins, the Brad Watleys, the Jason Williamsons, guys who have been around and have classic experience but are never too high, never too low through the season, when it comes to the classic, you either need to be real high or real low. It doesn't matter if you finish last the classic. Uh, and so you need those guys that possibly could finish up there close to the win. And so Todd Auden has experience, big moment like that. So I feel like that's a solid pick. Now we get to the bucket that is the least classic experienced bucket every year. Bucket E, it's the guys who made it and probably in those odds to win gallery, they're probably at 100 to 1 or 200 to 1, even though it's there's 54 anglers and they all got a shot to win you know, those odds get up that way and, and whatnot. And so uh, I think the odds of the Blazers beating the Nuggets early in that series was high and the Nuggets just beat them. So I, I really don't care about odds that much because when the rubber meets the road, 15 bass separate every man on that playing field from the classic. So bucket E is always the most disrespected bucket, but it's because they're not on the elite series or they, uh, they're on the elite series and it may not set up well, or they haven't done well in the classics. And so I know a couple of those elite pros who got nestled in bucket E are like, next time I see Kyle Jesse for putting me in that bucket, I'm going to slap him silly. 
in in all fairness, it wasn't purely my decision. Um, it was it was a uh, let's say a committee. It was it was uh, a group of 15, eh, 10 to fifteen people that all kind of collectively agreed. And with that being said, collectively agreed. And uh, that's crazy. Independently I, wasn't, just, I wasn't invited to be a part of that. That's amazing. You know, I'm the only one who probably in the company gives a rat's you know what about fantasy fishing. Uh, it's crazy, but that's beside the point. I hope all my was, workers watch this because I could care less. It was in uh, it was in Birmingham, so that was that was the the main factor. Um, we don't have with that being phone said, calls no, either. But yeah, so bucket E. not good service there. Sorry. Um, so there's definitely some people that I wasn't. I definitely didn't agree on some of the things, but it, I I love the fact that it really is mixed up. Right. So like, you know, in bucket D, you have some of the Chris Jones, some of the guys, uh, a Cody bird in bucket a, because if he was in bucket E, it'd be like 85% probably. Yeah. Right. So like, I actually, I, I, as I say, I disagree with some of the things I actually love the fact that it's so spread out because I think that makes it really interesting. Um, you don't get super, super high percentage playing. Um, although in bucket D I, we didn't even, we just completely passed by the fact that Brian knew is at 40%. Oh, like, I does somebody does somebody know something I don't? I mean, Brian New is phenomenal angler, but that's that's really high for somebody who's probably never seen the lake before. I will say <laughs> that Brian New made the Elite Series via the Opens last year, and he fished on Louisville and got Louisville. a top ten. Yeah. He was not far down the road. Halfway between Ray Roberts and Fort Worth is is Louisville, so maybe uh, that's what people are looking at. And hey, Brian News wild and crazy with his finishes this year with a win and some other top 10 so he's rolling no no doubt and like i said that's no disrespect to him i mean he, I, oh, he, no. hey. he'd make a top 10 i wouldn't be surprised even a little it's just crazy that he owned you know 40 percent uh player percentage is like really high for anybody um so with that being said let's move to bucket e i got uh i got the john cox that's gonna be fishing all days of practice i got keith carson in bucket E. I got Keith Carson. I, I you know, I've, I went with majority, I'd say three of the five guys that I picked, I feel like good odds. They'll fish, fish deep. Um, so I mixed in a guy that I feel like the same thing we've talked about a guy that's going to fish free. And I only say that because one, there's, there's very little pressure on him. Um, and two, I covered the lay Lake open, which, which he won, of course, and just watching him fish, I know this is this is an overstated thing. John Cox has said this about him, yada, yada. He really is extremely talented, like a naturally gifted angler. He's one of those just like freakishly, freakishly talented guys. Um, and I think you put him on a lake where there's still going to be some fish to be caught shallow. Um, I like Keith Carson and E. Like I said, some of that is just having watched him in person watching him, you know, dissect a lake that also he'd probably never fished before practice. I don't know if he'd ever fished lay. Maybe he had it. Hadn't. Who knows? Um, I just like the the chances of Keith Carson being able to uh, piece it together shallow, put in, you know, all days of his practice. And, uh, you know, like I said, I just think that uh, Keith Carson's my guy in bucket eat. Also, if you haven't watched the, yes. the video with him and John Cox, that'll also make you want to pick Keith Carson. But I did pick him before that video was out. Just yeah, saying. Me too. But that 13-minute video that Abu Garcia made about John Cox and Keith Carson, what a fantastic video of a brotherhood of two guys 
didn't have a nickel or a dime to their name, skipping school to go bassing, painting homes, doing what they had to do to make a couple bucks, getting their breaks in life and winning some events to really fund their fishing careers. And now both of them fishing professionally, both of them now in the classic together. Uh, that's definitely cool. But I think that he is missing some practice time because the NPFL has oh, a good Harris chain. And uh, I don't think he passed that up. And, um, and so he may, he may miss out because um, everyone fishes all three days of their event, which was Thursday, Friday, Saturday of their tournament. So depending on this, we are, we're obviously shooting this for perspective. We're shooting this before practice starts at uh, Ray Roberts. So I'm not sure how many days, but I think um, Carson will miss at least Friday. But if he's yeah. not in it to win it, going to Saturday. But to be honest, he's won one of their events. He could be in the points race for Angler of the Year. He's leading that, I believe. So there's a lot more money at stake as well if he if he was to roll up. And, you know, who knows? Carson and Cox may roll up on the final day of practice as their only day of practice, and they're going to just put their heads together, and they're going to find 30 of the right fish to share. I don't know. But those two guys are special talents. They really put the 10 boats on the map, like they said in that video. It's one to watch, like we mentioned. And we matched up on two of our five picks because I picked Keith Carson as well in bucket E. He was really my only ultra shallow lone, lone pick. Um, I think that he's going to just – he's going to stay shallow, especially with an abbreviated practice. I don't think he's going to do anything to try to go and, and do something different. He's going to do what he knows best, and he's going to do it to his best of his ability. And so I think that he'll be, he'll be shallow – uh, to live and die for the classic. Um, and he'll take that in. It'll be fun. He's probably going to fish a little nervous uh, for a couple minutes, but he's going to get the pep talk from John Cox about what it's like to be in that moment. So I think he'll be fine. But Keith Carson was my pick. Man, I really wanted to pick uh, Masayuki Matsushita because he won at Sam Rayburn last September fishing offshore brush and got it done. But my only thing, and this isn't like to hate on Japanese anglers, they often travel and live wherever they're at. So that means they may spend a month pre-fishing an open lake, or they may spend some time doing that. Uh, and you don't know how it translates, but with the classic, you cannot fish and there's a cutoff well before the event. I don't know how much time he was able to spend there, but I think he's a dark horse, uh, Masayuki Matsushita. I don't know how it'll translate, but I feel like he would be one that would be comfortable putting all his eggs in the offshore basket, just the way he's fished other events. So that is in bucket E. You've also got some other highlights. You got Trevor McKinney, the college classic champion. You got Pat Schlapper, uh, basically all of the nation guys, Justin Kerr, Pat Schlapper, uh, Schlopper, sorry, Blake Sylvester, those three nation guys all in bucket E. Jordan Wiggins, the team champion, Tommy Williams, the Louisville Opens champion is in bucket E. That's another pick that you could do. And then you've got Masayuki Matsushita, like I said, and the, the Elite Series pros, Shane LeHue, Ed Locker, and, and now Pat Schlopper. Those three anglers probably feeling a little more disrespected, but they've got 44%, 6%, and 13% of the ownership in that bucket. So by far the most for a given reason. Jordan Wiggins, um, carrying on that Wiggins family tradition of winning anything and everything that they possibly can that they enter from Tuesday nighters to team championship fish offs. 
He dominated in Florida to make it here. And so it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Wiggins does. But that's my five-team lineup. I've got Brock Mosley, Brandon Lester, Jamie Hartman, Chris Jones, and Keith Carson. I don't know how two of my five are going to do being non-elite anglers, but I think strategically, if two do well, I think we could really see those two guys do well. No doubt. And uh, Kenny, just I, I will say this. A lot of the college anglers that have fished the Classic have probably been up in above their heads. Um, but then we saw Cody Huff. So basically every single college classic champion that's fished the classic hasn't made the final day top 25, except Jordan, Jordan Lee did it at Gunnersville, his home lake, uh, and had a shot to win. And then we saw Cody Huff last year on Gunnersville. So I don't know if it's a Gunnersville thing, but both Gunnersvilles, we've had the college representative make it. Both have been Tennessee river guys. I know that Cody Huff is an Ozark guy at heart, but he spent a lot of time at Bethel on the Tennessee river and knows how to fish those lakes for Trevor McKinney. He's freaking good, dude. He is so good. I've covered him since he was stuttering on stage and didn't want a mic in his face as a high schooler winning anything and everything. And really he didn't even win the, the high school event that I, my first high school event, I covered the first ever championship. He didn't win it. They got, they were leading after two days then they took the top 10 and took them to Carroll County, a totally different lake, and had them do a two-day fish-off with the weight zeroed, and he got, they got second, uh, and they didn't win it. But, man, he has proved it every level. High school, he followed it up, won everything in the state of Illinois, has done so well, earned a scholarship at McKendree, has done so well in college already, and for him to have a dominant performance on Lay Lake um, the way he did to win that college classic bracket and his emotions, um, knowing that he won, how upset he was for Blake, his partner was in, was just shows his character, but man, Trevor, it won't be long until we see him on the elite series. The dude cashes checks, the dude puts in time and he is a great human being. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, obviously I haven't known him as long as you have, but, uh, getting to cover him, at the national championship last year um, on the Harris chain. And then obviously every day there at Lay Lake for the bracket, 100% uh, agree with everything you're saying. Uh, outstanding, outstanding fisherman. I would not be surprised in the least to see him make the final day here um, at Ray Roberts, not even remotely surprised. With that being said, uh, I want to backtrack to the Keith Carson thing. I feel like a dummy for saying the, the, the practice thing. Cause I completely, <laughs> There was a billion tournaments in bass fishing going on. I, I disrespected the like, yeah, right now. NPFL and and that's not intentional. I just completely forgot about that. And like you said, for good reason he would fish that. I mean, one of his home bodies of water in Florida, like you said, on a, yeah, on a tour that he's already won a tournament. Um, you know, best of luck to him in that tournament. I think he's sitting in seventh right now. I just read one of his posts uh fairly recently. I think he's sitting in the top ten. So um wouldn't be surprised to watch him change and then come over to the classic and try to put it, put all his chips in one basket there. But I will mention he won in the state of Texas earlier this year at right, right. Patman, right. Yep. In the Texarkana region, flipping bushes and fishing shallow. It could really set up for him. Now do not pick him everybody and inflate his percentage. Me and Kyle already called him. You can't, you can't, right. you can't pick. He's, he's our, he's our pick, not y'all's. He's our no oh. practice pick. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, my bad on that was not, was not thinking, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, 
I'm pretty. I'm like you. I'm pretty confident in my uh, five team or five guy lineup. Um, I really like. Like I'm kind of the same way as you are. Three of the five, I'm like really, really, really confident that we'll do well. Um, Todd Otten's a gut pick. Uh, like I said, I can't. I can't put my finger on how he's going to do it. I just got a feeling. And then the Keith Carson. I mean, even without practice, you know, it's kind of the same way with John Cox. I mean, just really naturally talented. Um, you wouldn't be surprised to watch him catch him either. So. I'm looking forward to it, dude. I really, really am. I'm going to help us out, and I'm going to skew Keith Carson's percentage and bring it down to about nothing, even though it's not that high right now. I'm just going to make a post in the Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing Group and say, hey, guys, by the way, Keith Carson, John Cox, probably not going to have hardly any, if any, practice for the Classic, just a heads up. We can watch those percentages drop based off that influence. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I did think about that when picking them. Yeah, yeah. I mean – yeah, it's it's hard to believe that uh, if there's two guys in the field that you know wouldn't have practice, those might be the best two for it in the sense that they'll be able to kind of fish the way they want to and potentially get away with it with very little practice. Now, there's definitely tournaments. If, if this was a deal where it was all offshore, um, first off, they probably wouldn't be very uh, well off as it was. And they'd then with no practice, the, uh, it would, it they'd split the fifteen percent <laughs> of the bass that are shallow between them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Problem. But uh, but you know the fact that you know, like we've we've talked about all uh, throughout this podcast, the fact that you know shallow fishing will inevitably play to some extent. Um, to what extent? I'm excited to see. I really am excited to see um, how much that'll play in. It, it's definitely going to at some point, but. Uh, I'm just so excited to see how the tournament plays out in general, regardless my fantasy fishing team finishes like they did at Gunnersville or they finish like they did at Sabine. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, uh, really excited for it, man. I really, really am. So we'll go through drain the lake real quick. Mercury drain the lake picks. I'm going to go ahead and knock out a couple of them that I already picked on my Rappel of Bassmaster fantasy fishing team. The only thing, if you're just new, Mercury drain the lake, one and done. You pick an angler, he's done for the year, including the classic. Also, bonus points. You get uh, double points, basically, if they win an Elite Series event, triple points if you pick the classic champ. So, of course, I mentioned it earlier, Brock Mosley, Brandon Lester, Chris Jones, those are on my Rapala Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing teams, and I'm picking them here. One good thing, Chris Jones, he's not on the Elites, I did not burn an eighth Elite Series Pro this event using one of those guys that's only showing up for this event. I can burn him, and I don't have to worry about, you know, I've saved another angler for Champlain and the St. Lawrence River. So that's one benefit to that. Um, and then I'll give you a fourth angler. I picked Matt Heron. I think that, I mean, he could catch him at Champlain and St. Lawrence just fine. He's been there plenty of times. But I feel like this is one of those last Southern fisheries. I'm going to pick him. His percentage is actually surprisingly low uh, given the time of the year and how the conditions are set up for the lake and that he's a winner there from the TTBC. Right, so, right. Brock Mosley, Brandon Lester, for all the reasons I said, Chris Jones as well, and the benefit of me not burning an Elite Series Pro picking him. And then Matt Heron, that's my first four or four of my eight. Uh, give me four of your eight. So I'm kind of the same way in the sense that I've, I've picked two guys that do not facility series um i'm not saying I'm, I'm just trying to save all my picks but this this tournament i did play a little conservatively because i feel really really confident with who i've left to be 
chosen via the next two elite series tournaments oh it's gonna um, be wide open for us we're gonna hang no doubt we're hammer. no doubt you you and i have played it smart as far as that goes um with that being said i kept keith carson on my drain the lake squad um before buddy gross's accident i picked him i i'm i'm rocking with him i'm still i'm sticking with him i'm not i'm not gonna shuck him off the team um kept john cox i i, I didn't i didn't i say kept i have john cox um i was tempted to keep him for a champlain event uh run into tie maybe catching big largemouth but i picked him last year to do that and it didn't pan out uh, <laughs> and then uh i got he let the fan he let the fans vote do I stay and fish for smallmouth or do I leave and go to for largemouth? And overwhelmingly the comments were go catch 20 pounds of largemouth. And he went down and caught about 12 pounds and found himself in 90th place or something out of 88 boats. And he was like, what the <laughs> heck guys? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I kind of the same reason, uh, you know, you picked Matt Heron. Um, I believe I've already picked Matt Heron, but that's something that we haven't talked about either is the fact that his percentage probably should be way higher considering he won the most recent, you know, big event there, the TTBC in 2016, obviously a few weeks prior uh, to the time that we'll be there. But like you talk about a guy that is already such a good angler as it is. And a guy that already has a built-in confidence on the lake. And the fact that we're not going South anymore, we're going North the rest of the fence. So you might as well use him if you, if you haven't, you know, for draining the lake, no doubt. And then my use him in Neely as well though. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I believe I did. Um, and then Kyle Welcher to finish out my top four of drain the lake. So kind of the same principle going up North. I feel like exactly what you were saying. I feel like this is, you know, I'm not saying his last chance to catch him by any means, nothing like that, but like it's the last event that you could really see him, you know, factoring in doing exactly what he likes to do, you know, that power fishing shallow. Um, so yeah, that'll round out my first half of my drain the lake. I'll say Kyle Welcher may not fit the calm, cool, collected bill because of how energetic he is on the water and how he's moving and running. But overall, he's pretty calm, cool, and collected demeanor-wise. But it's the Bassmaster Classic, and it's his first, and you just don't know what that's going to do for you. All it's going to take is about 47 little kids running up, talking about they love his YouTube, and he's going to be like, I got to freaking do it for them too. I got to win this sucker for them, you know, and it's a lot of pressure, especially putting it on yourself. So I like that pick. I think I already burned Welcher earlier in the year, maybe at Neely. Um, I picked him for that. So, and he's not been a bad pick at all. He's in the top 10 again in points and stuff for, for good reason. Sure. My last yeah. four, Matt Airy, Drew Cook, Brian New, Scott Canterbury. I don't have anything else to say about that. I think Brian New could be one <laughs> rush pile wise that could be really good. Uh, Drew Cook, I think bushes and flipping is going to be great. Matt Airy, maybe some top water early in the morning. And then Scott Canterbury, I think he could uh, mix it up a little bit. But I really think if we're going to pick Matt Heron for the reasons we're picking Matt Heron, you need to pick Scott Canterbury for the reasons we're picking Matt Heron. It's the same sure. deal, same dude, same style. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and And it's – he had a lot of pressure on him in his first classic last year on a lake that he loves Gunnersville, and he didn't do well at all coming off of being the angler of the year on a lake that he knows didn't do well it's a clean slate baby i think that and he's not having a great year in aoy he's needing some kind of pick me up sure be it i dig it so um 
I got Chris Zaldane, Patrick Walters, Cody Bird, and Brandon Card. Um, so Zaldane, you, you definitely could justify saving for um, the Northern Swing, I mean, without a doubt. But also, like we said, um, picking the winner of this tournament, giving you triple points is huge. And let's be honest, Chris Zaldane's got a good chance to win this tournament. He's been close in classics before. Um, the tournament, you know, the host city is literally his hometown. Um, obviously, it's not like he's lived there his whole life, so you don't want to, like, you know, you don't want to act like he spent his entire life fishing this lake because, I mean, he'd tell you that's obviously not the case. Um, but at the same point, obviously, at least some local advantage. Uh, Patrick Walters, I really like the idea of him being able to pull off some more uh, forward-facing sonar magic. I really think if anybody's going to do that, I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say that he's going to be the one to do it. Um, Cody Bird, another. I'll say this about Walters and uh, and your your Zaldane pick. Uh, I think Walters is the best forward facing sonar angler. I know people have said Jacob Wheeler and whatnot, dude. I don't know of anybody who like. Walters has won a lot of money on it already. I know others have as well, but man, he is just so sharp with that. I know how his yeah. boat was rigged by my boys at Sonar Pros for a specific reason um, when this thing started to take storm last year in a professional levels. Um, and then Zaldane, I'm saving him. I'm saving him. Um, but I'll tell you this, as soon as uh, this classic was announced, I know he's put in the time at Ray Roberts. No doubt. There's no doubt. Every second of pre-practice that he could put in, you know that he's been out there every single second of it. Um, so then to round out, uh, you know, Cody Bird, another one of those guys that you don't have to burn, you know, you're not burning it for the rest of the season. Um, as much hype as he's gotten for, you know, being one of the local guys, obviously a Texas hammer, and, and I'm not downplaying it, um, I, I'm I'm not as bought into it as a lot of people that I've talked to are just because there's so many unknowns, like you said, with fishing, you know, your first classic, there's, there's so many variables outside of like our realm of knowledge and what we know and what we won't know until after the classic. Um, but like I said, I like the, the odds of him doing well. Um, and, you know, another guy that I, I can save for the rest of the year. And then Brandon Card. Um, I could have justified using Brandon Card in several other events. Uh, but like you said, such a good offshore structure fisherman. Um, had success in Texas, like you had mentioned. I just, I think that uh, the Brandon Card's another good pick. And I really considered picking him in my traditional raffle of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing as well. Yeah, Card, Card is one to watch for, for offshore stuff. He just loves that style for sure. Uh, and Cody Bird, man. It might be his first classic, but he has been around the block. That is a name in Texas, no a name in, in FLW, and like Mark Zona and Tommy Sanders covered him when Mark Zona was fresh off the block, you know, just jumping in way back in the day. I'll tell you one thing. I swear if you take a photo of Cody Bird's bait when he's fishing, he's going to let me know about it. So do not do it. Save him. Do not post his bait on day one of the classic if you see him but um cody bird's a, a really good dude really keeps stuff close to his vest um poised determined he is one of the older anglers in the field as well 
And so this isn't going to be a nerve wracking event for him at all. This is going to be business as usual. Uh, he's really a kind of a tourist in a, in a foreign land being at the classic stage with as much history in bass. He, he is probably the most seasoned bass angler that is fishing the classic. He just doesn't have it with all with Bassmaster and he doesn't have a classic, sure. but he, fishing professionally for a career, it's like him and Todd Auden, you know, probably the longest tenured guy. So I think that uh, uh, he'll have something to bring for sure. Um, but I know there's a lot of great lakes in that Dallas Fort Worth area, just East of there, just South of there. Um, so you may not spend as much time on Ray Roberts as people would probably imagine. People are like, man, if you get selected for a classic lake, it's probably a, like the most popular lake in that state. That's not necessarily true. Um, and so it'll be an interesting venue. I'm excited. Drain the lake, Rapala Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing. I've got a lot more at stake for Drain the Lake. I'm sitting in like 500th in the world, uh, 96%, exactly where I said when we created this game that I'd be right there at the top, right there near the top. Uh, because this is much more strategic and uh, it lends itself perfectly to me. I hate picking the same guys in Rapala fa Fantasy Fishing over and over again for bucket A, bucket B, bucket C, whatever. So picking them once and never having to worry about picking them again, I can't dwell over that I already used them, YOLO, whatever. I I've already spent them. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good uh, It's going to be a good one. So you did uh, – you boasted a little bit there, so I'll boast as well. Um, my, my raffle of Bassmaster Fantasy Fishing right now, um, I'm in the 90s. Uh, it's, like you said, it's kind of a mark you want to be at. Um, just shy of 94%. And then I believe in Drain the Lake, I'm in the 90s. Definitely not nearly as well as yeah, 91.8. So, uh, Lake Gunnersville, as you know, I, we talked about, has it, it, it torched me in both of them. Uh, I was at like 96 or 97% before Lake Gunnersville. Um, <laughs> to give you an idea of how tough it was overall for everybody, though, I had a terrible roster on day one of that tournament, but I had two guys within the top 50, two guys within the top 20, and I actually went up in percentage with three guys sub like 70 on my roster, and I went up percentage. That just shows you how bad – Everybody else did as well. Um, but then, you know, it, it ended up to where the rest of my team kind of kind of suffered as well. So it, it, it did move down. But uh, that was a tough event for a lot of us, myself included. I will say I think I had four anglers below 59th on day one at Gunnersville, And I ended up having three make the cut and uh, which was very good comeback. John Cruz being one of those that helped me big time. Uh, and then once again. I plagued one of the anglers, picked Kyle Monty. I told you on here, I had no idea why I was picking him, just grass, like, I don't know, bucket E, and he finished dead last. And uh, condolences to him on that. Um, due to some other things, he's he is uh, not going to finish the Elite Series season. So that was – he's made his last cast on the Elites for the 2021 season um, for Kyle. But we love all our pros. We love all the guys. Uh it's a it's a tough sport it is a no love sport sometimes when it when you're lows of lows you are lows of lows but when you get a moment of success you got a cheering fan base behind you so any of these pros experiencing lows um give them some love wish them some well wishes because they are a one-man team out on the water trying to figure it out and a lot of pressure is building so kudos to those who make it work but 
for the guys who aren't going to continue the rest of the season. Um, we're going to make cuts anyways at the end of the year. Some of the guys know they're getting cut uh, based off their performances. And so financially, it does not make sense to continue. And so I understand that. And uh, I don't want to sound sad at the end of this video because it was so great, but I'm excited for the classic. We're going to do one immediate uh, reaction as best as we possibly can. Shoot, we may film something in person together the final night uh, at the at the toast deal and incorporate it in the video somehow. But great thing that we're doing here. I love it. I was so fired up at the beginning of this video. You've brought me back down and much more centered now. I appreciate that. But Kyle, I, I love these and uh, I love being candid. I love being passionate with you and I appreciate you joining in on them, uh, especially late at night. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think the classic brings out the best in everybody. And I think it includes this show. I think this has been one of our best ones. I hope everybody uh, really enjoys it as much as, like we've said every episode, as much as we enjoy doing it. Because they're the, these are the exact same conversations we have via text, via Snapchat, via phone calls all the time. So it's like, you know, we've talked about it all the time this year. Why not just put it in a podcast form and, uh, you know, let people enjoy it. If you want to if you want to see what we have to say, then, then uh, here it is. And uh, like you said, I really do enjoy doing these. And, uh, dude, I can't wait for the classic. I really cannot wait. It's going to be a good one. Fort Worth, June 11th through the 13th. It's weird saying that, June, but it's June 11th through the 13th. You've got interviews and the meeting on Tuesday, final day of practice on Wednesday. And then we have Thursday is media day and night of champions. Or no, night of champions is Wednesday. Thursday is media day. Get your stuff situated. Friday is the tournament start. Saturday and Sunday are day two and day three. So excited about that. Dickey's Arena for the weigh-ins. The Will Rogers Memorial Center for the Expo, which is where the Bassmaster Live stage will be set up. The crew will be there. You can come say hey to Mark Zona, Tommy Sanders, Davey Height, uh, Dave Mercer, Such. If you want to say hey to me, if you want to smack me, I mean, I wouldn't recommend in a COVID society smacking me unless you washed your hands. But uh, come up and say hey. If you see Kyle out on the water at Ray Roberts, tell him what's up. But it's all free to the public. Obviously, the stuff in the booths is not free, so do not five-finger discount it. But when you walk in the Will Rogers Memorial, you'll be able to in enjoy all of that for free. The arena as well. Brand new Dickies Arena. It's, it's like going to be Jerry World Jr. with the big screens and the lights. It's going to be one of the most aesthetically pleasing classics that we're going to see. I think the design of it as well. Normally, some classics, it's in the corner of the arena and they drive through around it and, or drive through by it and drop them off. I think this one's going to be more like Greenville where they drive around it and the stage is in the center so all angles can see it. I think that's the way we'll do it and um, it'll be good. So excited about that. Kyle, you're the man and we will uh, talk to you at the Classic. It'll be a little reunion of sorts and we will cover us a tournament and crown somebody a world champion of the Bassmaster Classic life-changing event. And uh, I won't forget it either. I remember every single one that we go to. So I'll see you in the next one, bro. Let's do it.